And it is time for the Big O Show with Orlando Pace, Hall of Famer, seven-time Pro Bowler. And we welcome him in. And I, I was thinking about you the other day when the baseball Cooperstown votes came in and nobody got voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And I was thinking about this whole process you guys go through. You did, Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce, and Tori's up for it this year. When, when, when they say, well, this – and I hear the baseball writers say, well, he'll get in eventually. Yeah. I'm always thinking, like, if I'm the guy who had the Hall of Fame career, but they're like, well, we'll get back to you. What, what is that process like when they're – I mean, Scott Rowland has told me, he said, Martin, I haven't hit a home run in 10 years. I don't know what they're debating. Like, I can't do anything more for your resume. Yeah, to be honest with you, uh, there's nothing you can do at this point. Like, you're never going to put on a helmet and play football again. Uh, so your, your, you know, your career is your career, right? And you know, no stat will change, or nobody will feel any different about you. And I, I mean, the first year I didn't make it, I hated that call when people would say, "Hey, you'll get in at some point." And I used to be like, Dude, "Come on, man!" You know, uh, really felt 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 horrible about it. But you know, obviously, uh, you know, there's a process. The NFL, they will come up, you know, obviously they'll have five guys that, that, that get in every year, uh, not like the, the, the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, but, you know, it is, it is a process. you got guys in there that, that uh, some of these guys didn't even, don't even, hadn't even seen some, you know, guys play at this point. So uh, it's kind of different. I, I know being here in St. Louis, uh, I know, you know, Howard Balzer does, you know, you know gives a spill on, on St. Louis guys. The unfortunate part about it, because Bernie, when Bernie did it, he was a part of, uh, you know, me getting in. But also now those St. Louis guys don't have a real representation in that room because uh, I think the vote goes out to L.A. now. Some of those L.A. guys may not get a chance to see some, some guys play. So it makes it more difficult uh, of a process for a, 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 a city without a team. No, you're right. In the city. And you know what's interesting is I think the L.A. Times – doesn't allow their writers to vote or be a part of any of these. They do it with baseball. They don't want them getting in the middle of that just to keep objectivity. There's plenty of outlets in L.A., but you're right. If you're a player from the St. Louis era, who's going who's gonna to make your case or, or pitch you? Yep. I mean, eventually, I think, and in Torrey's case, he's up this year, but guys like you and Kurt and Isaac and Marshall, I guess, just talking them up, maybe that helps a little bit, just kind of keep the buzz going. But I never understood that, like – Oh, sorry, Orlando, you didn't get in, but you'll get in at some point. Like, <laughs> what, is that, what, I'm still a Hall of Famer, but I'm just not quite. What, what weird, I mean, it's, it's so subjective. It's weird. Yeah, the weirdest thing about it is that they, for a long time, and they're clearing it up now, they had a backlog of guys, right? So I remember my year, you know, they felt like they needed to get Will Shields in. Well, I can, well you can get two offensive linemen in if we're both, you know, so it's, it's, it's just – unspoken pecking order a little bit where you only can get a certain amount, uh, uh, you know, lineman in or a certain number of guys that played on the same team or, you know, I think they all come together and, and voters, they'll probably never admit this. They have a click. Well, let, let's get your guy in this year. Let's get your guy in next year. And that's, that's sort of how it works uh, where they're, you know, well, this guy's been waiting eight years. Let's make sure we get him in this year because this is a good class. So, uh, they have their own process. I'm glad now that they have two Hall of Famers that's in that room um, that that can actually see how that process works and and uh, make sure that it's, everything's you know above board. So when Isaac would have to wait a couple of years in a row, and you know how he is, he was like, "I'm getting in." That's how I think of it. And then it didn't <laughs> would you, would you call, can you kind of reach out and say, "Man, here's how it works. Just hang in there." 
Yeah, you, you, you know, I, I kind of give them space uh, for the most part because I know how that process is, uh, you know, because you always, you know, you, you didn't, you know, you're, you're, you're almost embarrassed or feel like this is a failure. But after year one, it's kind of all downhill. If I make it, I make it. If I don't, I don't. Uh, you know, the, the year one is probably the toughest year that you don't make it because you kind of read the, the articles and everything leading up to it and people predicting that you're going to get in. You don't get in. And then, you know, obviously you feel you feel horrible. Uh, to, to fill some of those calls. Well, let's talk a little NFL playoffs last week. And I got to admit, I bowed down. I tweeted it out, too. I said, oh, called it. You said <laughs> Tom Brady and Tampa, you thought they'd go to Green Bay and win. I, I could see it happening, but I didn't pick it. I thought Green Bay would win. I thought they were playing at a different level. Uh, first of all, you were right. Now, well, now well. Go ahead. You glowed a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and I know, and I know you're a Green Bay guy, so obviously you're, you're a huge Green Bay fan. Um, so you know, I, I knew just the experience of time and what, what what that moment was. Not that Aaron Rodgers isn't a great quarterback. Um, I always say, even with Green Bay, there's always been a rift between he and that head coach for some reason. And if I'm that head coach, I got to put the ball in, in, in Rodgers' hands and go and make a play on fourth down. You know, he's the best quarterback. You know, top two arguably in the league. So you got to put, you got to, you got to play to win in those situations. They didn't. And, and, you know, I'd never bet against Tom Brady, not in those situations. I knew the weather wouldn't be a factor for him. So, uh, you know, obviously they play, they play, you know, Tampa has a, lot, a ton of talent on that team. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Green Bay's effect, I would, I would, I would have Aaron Rodgers in that situation to win the ball game. Yeah. You're talking about 31, 23, and they're within the five-yard line, and they kick the field goal to cut it to five, and their hope is that, all right, then we get the ball back, and then we score a winning touchdown. Don't you factor into that decision that Tom Brady is the guy on the other side that's going to have a chance to kind of ice the game? Isn't like if, if the other quarterback is kind of pedestrian, maybe you justify that. Maybe there's no justifying it. But you mentioned the riff. It's interesting because he and Mike McCarthy famously, I guess, didn't get along, at least at the end. And then they hire Matt LaFleur without really asking Aaron Rodgers. Not that they have to. But then it seems like these two actually get along really well. They've won a ton of games in two years. And now I would think there probably is a little riff because of that one play. Do you think Rodgers has a chance even to plead his case there? If you were him, would you have gone over and said, no way, we got to, we, we can't? Or is that out of line for a player? No, no, no I, th I think he's, uh, he's played well enough over the course of his career to, to, that he should be able to make that call or, or have a relationship with his head coach to say, hey, let's go for it. I have confidence. I know you mentioned that you have Tom Brady on the other side, but you got to realize who you have a quarterback as well uh, that, that you can go out and get it done too. But, you know, with the experience and you've seen Tom do it, you know, time and time again, you know, you got to play to win in situations like that. Playing is safe in a championship game. And I, trust me, I know we've done it here in St. Louis before. And, and, you know, obviously you got to play to win to play on uh, to the next week. What, what's fair when you look at Rodgers and say he's one in four in NFC title games? And he's playing on a team. I get that. But he gets a lot of credit, too. How much of that does he have to wear, do you think? You know what? I think, you know what? He has one built-in excuse, I think. And he's been a – He's been a great quarterback for a long time in this league, and he'll he'll put up a tremendous amount of numbers. His one excuse, his built-in excuse, is you guys just never gave me enough talent to build around, right? I want you know he's won one championship, uh, but in terms of talent, when you look at the two teams that's playing in the, in the Super Bowl with KC and the talent that they have, and and Tampa Bay with the talent they have, 
it's nowhere close uh, to what they have, you know, what, you know, the talent deficiencies in, in Green Bay. Uh, but he's still getting it done. He's still leading his team. Uh, you know, I don't know if he, he, you know, he may have one first round receiver that he's thrown to. And then he's probably upset because last year they drafted a quarterback. I think he's still pissed off about that part of it. But, uh, you know, obviously, you know, emotions were high after that game. He, he almost seems like he wants out of Green Bay. I don't know if they'll grant him that at the end of the year. What do you think? You think he should leave Green Bay or what? Uh, I just hate it. From a legacy standpoint, I hate it. But then, you know, Favre did it and ended up playing a couple of places. I, but I, I think some of his beef is fair. It's like, hey, you know, I mean, I'm sure his ego is pretty high, but he knows he's good. But think about Jordan Love, the first-round pick, sitting on the bench, and you got a playoff. You have a chance to go to the Super Bowl, and you have a first-round pick who gives you nothing. I mean, I know at the time it was talked about and debated, Rodgers isn't retiring for the next three, four, five years. So you don't need a guy. I mean, it kind of reminds me when the Rams took Trunk Candidate. <laughs> yeah. Like Mar Marshall wasn't – I mean, next year after that, he's the MVP. It wasn't like Marshall was about to retire or he was just right. about – he wasn't – like if it's – you know, when they got Steven, I think it made sense, 2004. But that was four right. years after taking Trunk Candidate. And it just like what a waste of a pick when you got a team that's good, right? I think that's what Rodgers. I'm sure he's frustrated. And you know, Tampa Bay gets Tom Brady, and they go, "The window is now. Let's get Gronk. Let's bring in Antonio Brown. Let's get Fournette. Let's get anybody want to play." Like they yeah. aggressively went for it. And if, I, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, it's one thing to say, "Hey, let's draft a quarterback." If we have a loaded team, right? We have receivers that I, the weapons that I need. But if we're still – we don't have the necessarily weapons I need on the outside or offensive linemen or whatever it may be defensively, then you don't go waste a pick that's going to sit a year or two, uh, you know, to, to develop him for the future when you still have three or four really good years left in you. So I can – yeah, if he, if, he's, if he wants out or whatever, I'm sure – nowadays quarterbacks are trying to force them way, their way out of franchises now, and I think he has the power to do so. Yeah, you mentioned that. It's interesting. Deshaun Watson, stud quarterback with Houston, uh, and they just hired the, the coach whose name I can't even remember. came from Baltimore. But they said no matter who they hire, he wants out. What do you think? Do, they, do these – I mean, the NBA kind of is at this point now where the players kind of dictate everything. Do you think the NFL has kind of noticed that, that like that you can kind of call your own shots? I, I, I don't like it, but – I mean, I guess players have right to at least speak up. It doesn't mean they're getting traded, but they have a right to express their disappointment. Yeah, and I, and I think the, 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 the NBA is a little different um, than, than the NFL. I think the NFL will make you stay in your situation. They got franchise tags. You know, you know the, the, the NBA has guaranteed contracts where they can move guys that way. I think if you're a quarterback, and there's probably only a few guys that could do it in the league. Um, Deshaun Watson is one that probably – he's a young quarterback – Hadn't, hadn't won anything, but he is a special talent. Um, but, you know, obviously, when, they, when, when, you get, when you get rid of Hopkins, which is one of your key weapons, and then you say you roll him out there the next year and say, hey, let's go try to win a game, well, you guys didn't give me a lot of talent to do so. So I can understand his frustration. Do I think a quarterback needs to be a part of GM decisions and ownership decisions? Eh, the jury's still out on that. I don't know what was told uh, to him. Uh, from the organization, but I think it is a, um, you know, I think, you know, if he's unhappy, if the team could, you know, find some, somebody to equal trade value for him, I think they make the deal just because he's unhappy uh, with that situation. But then you look at J.J. Watt, what does he do in that situation? 
I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good player that's been there a while. Deshaun Watson leaves. He gets a, a, a rookie quarterback or something. He's not going to be happy, you know, in the latter years of his career. So, uh, you know, I don't know if he, he, he wants out as well. If I'm J.J. Watt, I'm begging Deshaun to stay. But <laughs> yeah. you know, what's interesting is Andre Johnson tweeted out, like, same old, same old. Like, so obviously there is some discontent down there, players with the, with the front office or how they do business, because Andre Johnson was a – monster player himself and basically backed up whatever Deshaun's uh, complaining about. You know, it's it's always about the quarterback, isn't it? In terms of, like, drama, like Aaron Rodgers, does he like his coach? You know, Tom Brady's leaving New England. Deshaun wants out. It's always, like, QB drama. Well, <laughs> in, in St. Louis, there was none better. Than, I mean, Warner Bolger, the baton being passed, and you were right there in the middle of it, and those two, I think, did their best to kind of get along, but that had to be really hard to be there in the middle of that where not even, I don't know if it was the baton being passed. It just basically became Bolger's team. Like it just kind of happened. And it was, it was a strange time. Yeah. I don't even know if it was a, I don't even know if it was a quarterback controversy. I think both of those guys liked each other. I think, uh, I think, you know, when, when, when you have Kurt Warner and Mike Marsh, they had a little riff and Mike is Mike is Mike was a, was noted as an offensive genius, so he felt like he could put anybody in that system, and they would have success. So Bolger was the next guy up, and uh, you know I think there's a lifespan on, on Mike and his QBs in that system, and Bolger was the next guy up. So I, I, you know, both of those guys are great guys. Not a real controversy. It was more so between you know Mike and Kurt and, and Brenda. Once she made that comment on the, on the air, it kind of. It kind of sent Mike in the, in, the, in the spiral a little bit. So that was it. Would have been, I guess, during 2002 when Kurt got hurt, and then there was, is he getting an X-ray? Not getting an X-ray. It was on Five Night of the Fan, and <laughs> Brent, Brenda called in and said, you know, uh, hey, I told him to get the X-ray or whatever the details were. What I remember best is your guy Rick Smith, the old PR guy, called yeah. over to called over to Five Night. Hey, you guys got to call off the jam, and they're like, and they said what? And they're like. You got to stop playing that clip. You're playing it every hour. I think it was on Brian Burwell's show. Oh, man. And I think Burwell was kind of taking Marta's side, and Brenda heard it and called in. <laughs> I got to tell you, man, you never know who's listening anytime you're doing anything. Uh, Frank Cusimano and I were on there, and he was talking about Matt Holiday, the Cardinals outfielder. And, and, and Frank said nothing terrible. He just said, well, he'll probably – we're going through like the outfield and Frank goes, well, he's going to miss a few games. He'll miss, you know, a handful of games. He always does something real simple. And then the producer's like, Hey, uh, somebody calls in and wants to talk to him. We're like, yeah, and he goes, it's, it's Matt holiday. <laughs> and so we put him on the air and he goes, Hey guys, I was uh, just driving to my workout. It was like the middle of January. So it's off season for baseball. And he lived here with his family. He said, yeah, you guys were uh, talking about next year's team. And, Frank, I think it was you, not Martin. And uh, I think he said surprisingly, he goes, it wasn't Martin, but it was Frank who said something that really upset me. And you said, I'll be missing a bunch of games. And he said, why don't, why don't you pull up my career games played year by year? And, and uh, he actually made a very good case for himself that other than like one season, he hadn't missed many games. Hold on, did Frank, did Frank uh, start backpedaling at that point or what? Well, he Frank read read the the stats that Matt told him to read and said, Ooh, and Frank said, I got to be honest, you you do play a few more games than I thought. <laughs> but the point is, you never know who is out there listening, and in that case, Brenda heard Burwell and wanted to kind of argue about it, and then basically put Martz in a bad spot. And man, that was so weird. 
And then you go to 03, Kurt's still here in 03, but Bolger is the guy. Yeah. And yeah. then the team was really good in 03. Yeah. So was it was it ever weird, like walking by Kurt going, hey, pal, how you doing? I mean, he wasn't running scout, but it still had to be real. Former it, was, it, was a, it was a little uncomfortable, but we all – one thing I've learned through that whole journey of, of just being in the NFL, we all kind of go through that transition. Some are nastier than others. When you go from winning two MVPs – uh, two league MVPs and, and you, and you, you know, get replaced. That's a tough transition for everybody. But the, I mean, we were such good friends. We didn't, you know, not that we didn't care, but we still, you know, we still loved and supported Kurt and everything that he did. And then, you know, obviously supported Mark when he was in that role as well. So, uh, but you know, like I said, in the locker room, there was never any real tension. Uh, again, I think, you know, if you ask, if you ask Kurt to be genuine and candid about it, I think he'll say that, that was a horrible situation for him, like most pro athletes would say at the time. But he was a consummate pro. Um, didn't really, you know, I'm sure he had some, him and Mike had some some conversations behind the scenes, but in front of everybody else, he was he handled it well. Yeah, and how about the fact then he goes to New York and gets replaced by Eli? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gets yeah. to start like half the season. But we talked Hall of Fame. What cemented Kurt's Canton status, no doubt, was going to Arizona and taking that franchise. Yep, yep. So Rams and Cardinals, two franchises that hadn't done any winning, and he gets to the Super Bowl. Absolutely. With both. I mean, that's cemented. And I always felt bad for Bolger because Kurt had some really passionate fans who maybe even weren't diehard football fans that came along and loved him and his story. Yep. Bolger just would get tattooed by people, too. Yep. That just yep. Hit him, and he didn't do anything wrong. And it was, it was so unfair to Mark, too, when you think about that situation because Kurt did so much in the community – like people that weren't even football fans love Kurt Warner. You know what I mean? And, and, and you know, obviously to step in that role. And if you don't win two MVPs or go to Pro Bowls every year and have that type of career, you're never going to live up to the standard that Kurt set. So if people remember that in this smaller community. Uh, so it was unfortunate for Mark, but he still played. He played, uh, you know, played good football and made a lot of money here in St. Louis. I can't complain about that at all. I'm sure he's not complaining about that at all. No, and for a while, he was – I saw him at a neighborhood park like two years ago. He just – I think he moved to Florida in recent years. But yep. he, he, I had no idea. He'd stuck around. And then now we should get him on the show. He's into curling. Like, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm at Frontneck Mall a few years ago, and he's, he's just walking in there by himself. I'm walking, and we're just kind of – Hey, Mark, and we sat and had a you know 10, 15 minute conversation, but he was he was just, you know, <laughs> real low key and, and you know, but he's just kind of wandering around and you know doing his thing. So well, all right, it all this all comes full circle. And I did I do write notes, believe it or not, I have notes here that you take notes. Do you take notes, Mark? Well, no, I, I show up with notes and then I don't really <laughs> I don't really know where I heard a podcast interview. Joe Rogan is real popular, He's got like 30 million listeners every week. And I heard one he was doing and he said he never has notes. And I, I could kind of appreciate that where it's kind of fun to just see where the conversation goes. But I usually scribble a couple of bullet points and ideas. And I and you mentioned because I thought of this because of the Packers and with Rodgers maybe going for it. And you sort of alluded to it. So I went back and looked up the Carolina playoff loss, and that would have been with Mark Bolger. Oh, Our boat's about to hang up. Oh, my God. That, that, oh, my God. But it was – so you, I forgot some of the facts. You guys were trailing the Panthers in the fourth quarter, 23-12. to 12. So you're in trouble. But then Marshall scored – two-point conversion, Bolger to Dane Looker, 
So okay. you got the eight points, and now you're down 23-20. But it was only about two and a half left in the game. So it was late. So obviously you got the stop, got the ball back. And then you get the game-tying field goal, Wilkins, Jeff Wilkins, 33 yards, which means you were inside the 20. And everyone we've talked about it in St. Louis, everyone was saying you got to go for the end zone, got to go for the end zone, because the Panthers' defense appeared to be gassed from the drive before and then that drive. And I think most famous is the Hannafin reaction that is caught on tape. He kind of looks like in shock, like we're not going for the end zone. We're letting the clock wind down, kicking the field goal to tie it. And I think Mike March said after the game, our team deserved a chance to keep playing. I didn't want to have it end without us getting into at least go to OT. That's when Jason Seahorn gets burned by Steve Smith. And that's the end of the – I'm sorry, but that was a team – that had Super Bowl talent too for you guys, right? I mean, we always talk about the New England loss, but you were at least in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that Carolina game's got to be right up there in terms of disappointment. Yeah, I think so. When you look at talent on that team, uh, I think we were we were right on par with with our, our '99 team, maybe a little under, just from a talent standpoint. We brought in some 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 different guys. I remember Kyle Turley was there, Jason Seahorn, those type of personalities. That was Mike Mars Mars Nemesis at first. But just to go in that game, I remember in that huddle and just thinking when we're, we're looking over to the sideline as the clock is winding down for Wilkie to come out and take that pick. And that that really wasn't what our team was about. Like we were about, you know, Martin, you know, as well as anybody, we we're about taking shots, scoring, winning the ball game. And for us to sit there and watch the clock wind down, we're sitting there thinking, what are we what are we doing here? So our philosophy had completely changed at that point. Um, and, and it was it was it was it was alarming for us because we you know obviously we take a few shots we got some weapons on the outside with Isaac and Tori uh, we're wearing them down we're coming back so they're tired you know we're thinking we're going to drive in and we're heading out to the the Super Bowl uh, but you know obviously we kicked the field goal played it safe didn't work out um, Steve Smith double move Jason Seahorn the rest is history right uh, Seahorn hasn't been heard from since that was <laughs> what I- absolutely. I, what I remember, though, we were all at Rams Park during that season, and we're standing outside in the parking lot, and this SUV pulls up to pick up Seahorn. We're like, is that Angie Harmon? We all knew her from TV. <laughs> and I'm like, and she's living in St. Louis, Missouri, and hanging out at Earth City? Oh, my God. It was stunning. But back to the decision. So in the huddle there, you guys get the call to kind of wind it down or whatever. What's the chit-chat at that point? Shot? Like, shot. Like, what are we doing? Like, let's go take a couple shots. We got time on the clock. Let's at least take some shots to see if we can score. We can still, you know, we don't make it. We can kick a field goal. But I remember watching the clock wind down. Just wasn't what we were about as a team, what we had, you know, what what made us successful in years past. Uh, You know, obviously, when you look at that, and it's funny, this is how small it is. I think, you know, obviously, if we we end up winning that game and, and, going on to win another Super Bowl, I think the St. Louis Rams are still in existence here in St. Louis. No way do you move a two-time Super Bowl champion out of a city. I think that changes the dynamic and the decision-making at that point because, you know, obviously you're embedded. You've won two championships. Uh, you win the three Super Bowls total, in, you know, in a matter of five years. That's a that's a hell of a strain for a, a franchise. And I think, you know, I think, you know, you make that decision, you win a ball game, and, and you know, it changes it changes everything. It's interesting because people always say, well, if you win the Super Bowl against New England, I bet the team never moves. But this is now two years later. Yeah, It's even closer to the potential exit, so it would have been fresher. So if you win in 2004, that January, February, 
it would have been even closer to the top tier and all the least, you know. Yeah, I think I, I think I think I think you can justify it at that point because when you sit there and say, "Hey, man, we just won a Super Bowl. Let's redo this lease, or let let's redo some, you know, something." Uh, you know, obviously, when you got a good product on the field, it's a lot a lot more difficult to say, "Hey, we don't want you guys," or "We're not going to renew," or whatever that the business part of it was. Uh, you know, it just makes it difficult when you have a, a successful franchise doing well and winning Super Bowls. So what, what's the third worst loss of your career? What else? Because we've, we've talked New England <laughs> Super Bowl 36 before. Now we've dug in on this Carolina playoff loss, and I'm sure. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was number two. Um, I don't know if there's a number three. I think I, those, those two were so devastated, I can't remember any that would, that would hurt any more than that one, so. That, that, playoff playoff losses 2000 was down in New Orleans. You had the great comeback. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was tough. Drop a fumble, and then in 2004, I don't know if it was as heartbreaking as Atlanta. Just yeah, yeah. Out. That was Michael Vick. We ran in that bus off. But you know, the, the tougher losses is, is when you real when you realize you have a good talented team, and you have you have a lot of talent on your team, and you could tell during training camp, during the opening you know few weeks of the season, what type of team you have. You know, and, you know, so those losses, when you when you miss those opportunities, those hurt more than, than, than any. That's why Mike March's, you know, resume is complicated, because I think he got the most out of you guys and maximized offensively to become a juggernaut, to win MVPs and to be hosting playoff games. But then to, to lose some playoff games, which happens to all these guys. We're just talking about Aaron Rodgers. He's great, but he's one in four in NFC title games. But I think that Carolina game, I bet you it bothers Mike, too. We talk about paint. We'll probably get him on at some point. He may not want to talk about it. but oh, yeah, He might not want to talk about that one. But he did so many great things. And then there are some other moments where you're like, God, that, that Carolina game, we would expect that from Jeff Fisher or Marty Schottenheimer, guys who historically were conservative. That's, I think, what shocked everybody. It was just kind of outside his nature. Yeah, it was. It was, it was everybody's nature. But, uh, you know, obviously we still had confidence in, in Mike and, and, and our team. And our defense at the time, uh, you know, obviously they, they made a good play on, on, on Seahorn or, you know, in our offense and they scored. So, well, well we're going to re we're going to rename the podcast sad stories with Martin and Orlando. I, say, man, I don't know. I don't know. Reminiscing on some of these losses, man. It's all when we talk about 99, the entire podcast from here on out. Oh, everybody's talked about 99. Well, <laughs> year, so years ago at Fox two, Rob Desir, my colleague there, there was some story and he said, we could either do this or this. And I picked, I swear, it was just the one time I picked, like, the negative angle. And he goes, oh, man, Marty loves negative, negative. He loves negative. <laughs> that, is, that is not true. Hey, Mark, you only, hey, you, but you're positive when you were doing those, those Rams pregames. We got to get into that, man, how positive you were. You weren't as negative back then, man. That's yeah, all, all you guys after your career, you know, Nias, Orlando, and be like, when the team is terrible, like, oh, I see you. Now you're, now you're upbeat and cheery, you know. You were mad when we lost playoff games, but these jokers are two and ten, and you're polishing that thing up. I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's we could talk about the coaches. We should do a show about just coaches, period. Because I got into a Steve Spagnola one time during one of those Monday tapings, just one on one, and I and I said to him after the fact, I said, "Here's the deal with the coaches show: you get all softballs. It's just it's the coaches show. That's why sometimes they're boring because people aren't they don't they won't give you anything." But I said, my job is to always ask pertinent topics, but in a polite manner. And it was something with Richie Incognito. And I said, you know, what do you want to do with him? Because 
last time he acted up, you said there'd be no more next time or whatever. And I said, so what's the plan now? And he gave me an answer, but it was real short and it didn't say much. And I just followed up and said, so will you take some action or whatever? And so then we were done. He said, I know what you did there. You went in for more. You didn't like the first part. And I said, well, I'm part of the job is to make you look good to the fans by giving you a chance to explain. You're going to look terrible if you don't explain anything. And I said, coaches' shows will always be pertinent topics in a polite fashion. There was a Linehan uh, – I could really get off on a tangent here. This is the Big O Show with Orlando Pace. This is not the Martin <laughs> Show. But I, I'm going to tell this story because it still makes me mad. In 2006, Linehan's first year, and you're on the team then, that there was a bar fight early in the season. Oh, yeah. And a handful of players were involved in it. And a couple were rookies. So they were players that Linehan and his – staff had drafted these are not inherited players whatever so we're doing the show on remote and i said to scott hey we've got uh, this this and this i said i am going to ask you i said i talked to jay zigman earlier and he said they're working with the league blah blah and i said do you want to say he goes yeah he goes just yeah. he goes i'll have an answer don't worry you can bring it up i said okay so then uh, and it was going to be in the this is where people like don't understand like it's not always what it appears it was like in the third or fourth segment scheduled Okay, well, the limo and Linehan got there late because it was a live show. And it was at Isaac Bruce Charity out at that Kemp Auto Museum. So okay. because and it was coming off a bad loss, too. So a lot of negative stories. But we were going to end it with uh, Isaac's here. and This is all feel good. Well, Linehan wasn't on the sh- he didn't make on time. So I did two segments with Isaac. And it was all like, you know, high fives and hugs. It was all positive about the foundation and. And Scott gets there and it's all negative. And I said, you know, he missed the, the fluff part. So I asked a question about the bar fight. I think Dominic Bird and a couple other guys were involved. Mm-hmm. And I just, and he gave me a, you know, 20 second answer. He said, we're talking to the, uh, talk to Jay on the way out and talk to the league and we're doing our best. He gave me whatever the answer. It was fine. And we moved on. Nothing. I get in my car and I have a voicemail from Jeff Horton, who was Linehan's assistant mm-hmm. and just annihilating me. <laughs> and, and said, uh, here's Jeff Horton on the staff, St. Louis Rams. How dare you do that to the coach and his own damn show? It's got his damn name on it. And it just goes on this. I wish I still had it. And so, and I'm like, he doesn't know the situation. It was all talked about. It could have been, he has, and coaches have every chance to say, I don't want to bring that up. Don't bring that up. Whatever. That's fine. And uh, I was so mad. I called him back. <laughs> I remember I said, you're out of line. And I said, you don't know what happened. You want to know the real story? You call me back. Right. And the next day I had a voicemail saying, I talked to Scott and uh, we're clear. Everything's fine. Whatever. <laughs> something like that. So then I went up to Scott the next day and I said, hey, if you have a problem with me, I said, you tell me. I said, I told Horton that you had the chance to reject that topic. I said, I always tell you ahead of time in the break, here's three things that are going to be brought up. I would never blindside it. You know, we could have skipped it. But I think. It was in the news that day. He's the freaking head coach. He deserves a chance to say something. He, ha- he has to answer those questions, right? That's, those are his players, and, you know, it's going to be, you know, it's, on, it's in the news. What else? This, you- this is me to tell, telling, oh, that we didn't pussyfoot every coach's show, okay? But, but, yeah, no, no, no. You had your favorites now. You know, I mean, I think you knew how to work the, the Mike Marks of the world, the Dickie V's of the world. You knew, how to, you knew how to work those guys. I don't think you liked the Linehan's or the uh, – 
Spagnolas of the world. Uh, well, yeah. I, I like I like Scott, and we're just, <laughs> and it, but, but it, it obviously it didn't go well. We know that, but I'll do, and so maybe we'll tell us another story. He he nuked me one time in person, uh, <laughs> right before the taping of the show, and and, and I and you know why? Because he was mad at Burwell, because Burwell on our Sunday night show had kind of nuked Linehan. And it put me in a weird spot because I do host the show. And I said, Scott, I said, if any, he goes, you put the goddamn graphic on the screen of the first 20 games coached. And Mike March was like, you know, 15 and five or whatever. And Linhan was like six and 14. Or, and I said, yes. I said, and you were ahead of Dick Vermeil, who had a worse, who had a worse start. I said, that's factual. And uh, he was really upset. And I just said, listen, I said, Brian Burwell's a columnist. He gets paid to have opinions. I said, I didn't nuke you. Uh, I said, we didn't go overboard. He just said he was worried, you know, about where things were headed. This was in 07 when things were really bad at the beginning and didn't yeah. get worse. And uh, I said, hey, I'm not the enemy. I said, I'll, you help me with information. I'll help you with getting it out there. But if if you think I'm out of line, you can let me know. And he was He was more mad at Brian. And I told Brian, he goes, I'm glad to hear he was watching us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Think- I, I, yeah, you know what I'm telling you? I think that I think you guys, and I'll go St. Louis Media and all, I think you guys were the softest on Jeff Fisher. You know, that's, that's <laughs> so probably- for whatever reason, well, you know, he would give you guys a story and you guys would be like, I'd be like, wow, they just lost 42 to 7. <laughs> well, this, we'll do another one with Jeff, maybe even get him on. But I think you're right. And I think, uh, Probably to his credit, he knew how to work everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the ultimate schmoozer to his credit. Friends with Jerry Jones, friends with Roger Goodell. I mean, no, I, I, I never had a coach who was easier to deal with, who I liked working with more. I liked Hazlitt a lot, too, to work with. Yeah, Hazlitt was good. Now, do you feel – now, if he's a good guy – but I thought Linehan was a good guy, too. Absolutely. Do you feel like, uh, you know, because he's a schmoozer, I can't go that hard on him at times or what? I don't think it's as thought out. I mean, I don't think we sit there and go, oh, we better leave Jeff alone because he's nice to me. You just kind of – if some if somebody is – and you shouldn't – I'm speaking for me now. Other people, I don't know how they operate. But if somebody treats you with respect and is polite to you, I think it's hard to, like, just annihilate them. You know, like, I had no problem going after Spagnuolo because I thought he treated some people like shit that didn't deserve oh, yeah. it. And that and made me mad. And, I, and I, I said to him once, I go, you're picking fights for no reason. And it really bothered me. I think it was like a Napoleon, and it was affecting people, not million-dollar athletes, but people who worked in that building. Absolutely. And, and I'll this, we'll, we'll, let's do a whole Rams coaches show one day. We'll talk all about their strength. Yeah, we can run, yeah, we can run down a list of, of, of guys, and I can give it to you from the player and yeah. the former player perspective, what, yeah. I, what I saw. So and, then you can, nuke, you can nuke me for being too soft on them. Here, but uh, this, uh, is, this is the last uh, – this is my last story, but it's all related to Spags. Uh, they get rid of John Oswald, who worked for the team forever. And I thought it was just mean. They ran him out of it. They took his job away. Then they told him he didn't do enough. And it was totally unfair. So on the radio, again, you never know who's listening. Frank Cusimano and I are going off on how it's a terrible decision. This is unfair. You know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, this is, you know, Spags and Devaney, the reign of terror. And these little Napoleons are ruining things and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I get a text from Kevin Demoff. And he said, the next time you're going to, you know, 
assassinate the images and you know reputations of our coaches and our GM, you should include me. You know, I made that decision. Those guys didn't. He said, so if you want to go off on a tangent and, and you know, rip on people or say they should be fired, you know, you should include me. And I just wrote back, will do. <laughs> and I went, I went to my boss, Spencer, and I said, you're probably going to get a call. I don't think I'll be doing Rams football games anymore. <laughs> is, that, is that when they canceled your contract on the, on, on the preseason? Yep, Rams that, football? <laughs> they, they, that's when that was the end of me doing any preseason football. Not that I was anything special. It was fun to do it, but that was, that was the end of that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's funny. Yeah, we, we should do a show on all the coaches and all that. That that'll be an interesting topic. You you can rip me apart for being too nice to Jeff. I, I need to pull up some clips or something, man. Of you asking questions <laughs> with Jeff Fisher and, and the crew. You know? I mean, he, but I'll tell you what, you could ask him anything and he would answer it. You know, you probably didn't. I would. That's another thing. People hate coaches shows, but I've said we ask him. It's not sixty minutes where the guy who committed crimes against you know bosnians well, this is a football coach you know we're just trying to get some answers but they want all these guys tarred and feathered and i'm like that's why it's more fun to listen to somebody rant on the radio they're not sitting next to the coach because you have to treat them with some measure of respect or he won't be back next week man he, he's not gonna show up next week so you know uh, well this was fun unintentionally a lot of coach speak orlando wants to know why the st louis media Gave Jeff Fisher a free pass. That's a great topic. We'll get into it. Oh, have a great week. Next week, it's all about the Super Bowl, and I won't bring up any bad memories.